Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you can get podcasts. Jamie's Log, Progressive, The Harrington's Backyard, Day 11, 4.43 a.m. The tent I set up in the Harrington's Backyard to prove Progressive has 24-7 protection has a rip in it, but a little rain won't stop me. Mrs. Harrington says she totally understands 24-7 protection means 24-7. Gonna stay a few more days to make sure. It's hailing now. That's fun. Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. I think the Philadelphia Eagles are a sleeper. That's I interesting. I think they're a sleeper, man. For some reason, they've been real quiet. And I don't, I don't know why, but I feel like the Philadelphia Eagles are a team that's going to emerge a little bit after all the stuff that they went through and talking to Fletcher Cox. They, they're real quiet, man, but they got their, got their stuff in order. This is Stacking the Box with NFL insider Matt Berteram and Mark Carmen. Coming up on Stacking the Box, we have the former Cowboy, former Bronco, DeMarcus Ware on the podcast today, sleeping in a sleep number bed vertebrae. Very comfortable, DeMarcus Ware. And you'll hear it, but uh, he's in the middle on those Dallas Cowboys. He's got a right to be. They, they have a lot of talent, but what have they done? Like At some point, you got to show it, right? Yeah. And then Ren Daxed, the pewter cast. We're talking Tampa Bay Buccaneer football, baby. Ren is one of a kind. He's got many thoughts on his Tampa Bay Bucks and their chances for the back-to-back. Look, for a franchise that has the worst winning percentage of any team currently still in the league, Buccaneers <laughs> fans finally, rightfully enjoying what is the golden age of Bucks football. Hey, might be the best roster in the league. There's a real chance for them to repeat. This is it. They got to navigate COVID. So does the rest of the NFL. We're going to start with a little talk of how it already is impacting the season. And then the biggest news of training camp or non-news, Deshaun Watson will not be playing in uh, the first Texans preseason game. Will he play at all? We'll discuss how that is going to play out. And uh, yes, there, of course, we will have our in or out segment. We'll look at the NFC West take a look at some of the rookie quarterbacks trey lance justin fields a lot to do on stacking the box as always matt verderam absolutely let's get to it and well we have to first get to our favorite sponsor which of course is manscaped go to manscaped.com you get 20 percent off and free shipping when you put in the promo code fansided20 and you get the performance package 4.0 sent to you it's moving all across the world in the U.S., in Canada, the U.K. That's right, the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer. How's your ear and nose hair, Verderam? It's good now. You've got the Manscaped product, man. Everything's, everything's looking good these days. Yep, and then you got to do your daily uh, crop preserver ball deodorant. You want to smell good down there at all times. We got the Reviver Toner. We got the Performance Boxer Briefs, which I'm actually wearing right now. I feel oh so comfortable today. And then your travel bag. You can uh, carry around all your products. Uh, this is uh, You want to live your life in a nice, clean, good-smelling, productive, manly way. So go to manscaped.com. Promo code FANSIDED20. Get 20% off that performance package 4.0 free shipping. Stacking the box with our NFL insider, Matt Berteram. Yours truly, Mark Carmen, DeMarcus Ware. The pewter cast, all of it starts right now. So, Berteram, what do you think is going to happen with Deshaun Watson? What do I think is going to happen? Yeah. I, I think 
the Texans are going to let this thing drag out in the most awkward way possible because that's what they've been doing. They don't seem to quite understand that it's okay to say, look, Deshaun, we're not going to start you. We're not going to play you. But we have to pay you because you're here and you're not under any kind of, of league sanction. And so with that in mind, why don't you go home? We will pay you while you're at home. We'll try to trade you. We don't think we can trade you, though, right now because you have 22 civil suits against you. There's also some criminal complaints. There have been a total of 24 women that have come forward with allegations of sexual assault in some form or manner. Until that gets rectified from a legal standpoint, no team in its right mind is going to give up any kind of big bounty of draft picks and or players to acquire you. So why don't you just go home instead of you being our scout team safety and catching passes out of the backfield and wearing a, wearing a winter beanie in 95 degree heat in Houston. Why don't you go home, not be a distraction, not be part of this circus. And look, when everything's figured out, we will do the appropriate thing at that point. But the Texans have shown no inclination to do that as he continues to stand around in a red jersey and watch the rest of the team practice. So I'm trying to put myself in the Houston Texans' shoes here. Do they think that if he is at practice, they are demonstrating somewhat to potential teams that, hey, it's okay to have him out here. It's not as bad. He's staying in shape. He's staying fresh. So if you trade for him, you're not going to have a huge ramp up to get him ready. Do we think that is why he's at practice? No, I think he's at practice because the Texans are really inexperienced in their front office and their coaching staff, and they don't know how to handle it. I, I really do. I think look, David Culley is a, is a good man by all accounts. Anyone I've ever talked to in the league about David Culley says he's a great guy. I've never personally had the pleasure of meeting him, talking with him. Um, he's 65 years old. He's never been a head coach on any level. He's a bad at he's bad at media, by the way. He's not good at media. But, media. but this is but Carm, this is the point. Like you bring in a guy in Cully who has no experience with any of this stuff. At 65 years old, he's already one of the oldest coaches in the NFL. This was to me, and this is not a by the way, this is not a slam of David Cully. This was a team that's clearly in a, in a full-scale relaunch. Why wouldn't you hire a young guy to come in here and just say, look, like to be frank, what the Lions did. Hey, Dan Campbell, here's a six-year contract. We're going to rebuild this thing. We know it's going to take a couple of years to get it off the ground. Let's work on it. The, the Texans did not do any of that. They hired a 65-year-old first-time head coach at any level. Nick Casario and Jack Easterby are running the front office. They come over from New England. What you, I, and everybody who's ever covered this league knows, New England is about two people, Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft. That is it. And if you're not those two people, you're not making a decision in that building. You're not. You're not. Like Easterby, I'm not saying he didn't have input. Okay. Although Belichick flat out said he wasn't a football guy. Casario probably did have some, some more input than Easterby did. But none of these people have ever had to deal with any of this kind of stuff where, where they've been making top line decisions. And I think for the Texans, it's almost just like hard line in the sand that they've taken the entire time. And it's like, well, we're not going to send you home. You're a part of this team. No, he's not a part of this team. If you're starting quarterback, your all-pro-level quarterback is playing scout team safety 
He's not part of the team anymore. Where is the Sean Watson? Here's the press conference. Where is the Sean Watson during press during practice? David Cully, nothing's changed. What did, what does he do during the day? Cully, nothing has changed. Is he in the stadium? Cully, nothing. Uh, you know, so listen, um, David Cully, when he came in, we basically decided that what we wanted to, when he's ready to do what we feel like he needs to do from a standpoint of this is a ramp up period. And we don't want to get to the situation where we're having him do something that he's not ready to do right now. We decided that individual periods were the periods that we could get him in where nothing happens moving forward. We'll make a decision on that. So, Hey, Deshaun, we're cool with you practicing by yourself, throwing the football, but as far as any real team getting ready to play on the field, learning plays, getting people acclimated, it makes no sense to have you partake in that because you're not going to be on the field. But here, here's my advice to the Houston Texans unsolicited as it is Deshaun Watson we are not comfortable playing Deshaun Watson right now until everything is resolved. Um, Deshaun is still a part of our football team in this country. You are innocent till proven guilty. Yes. And we um, will do our best to support Deshaun and also take these allegations seriously at the same time. But right now, Deshaun is not going to be playing football for us. He will be at practice from time to time, but I'm not going to comment again on if he's at practice what he did or anything about Deshaun Watson if anything changes we will address it when it does I understand how much interest there is in Deshaun he's an incredible football player and uh, hopefully he'll be able to get back to doing that someday assuming these allegations uh, you know eventually get right. cleared right period end of story but, done I, I that's mean, it I probably went too far actually at the back end but, I mean, the, the bottom line is here, if you're the Texans and you're not going to start him and you're not going to play, then what is he doing there? I, I Listen, I think on it's, some – It's ridiculous. Well, I think on some part, you slightly owe it to the player um, to give him whatever benefit of the doubt is, is left. Then start him. Yeah, but – okay – but you're not doing that either because then you're giving him too much benefit of the doubt. So allowing him to come to practice and stay in shape and prepare himself. And in theory, if a trade comes along, well, he, I mean, he's been out here, he's in shape. I mean, I think that's what they're doing. Um, and it's, I, I just, I, my opinion maybe is maybe he should be just if, working out by himself. If you're period. giving them the benefit of the doubt, which is fine, by the way, you're right in this country, you're innocent until proven guilty. If you want to give him that benefit, which by the way, the NFL has to this point, because he's not on the commissioner's exempt list. If you want to do it, then play him. I don't care. Then play the guy. But if you're not going to – I don't think you can play him. But my point – but then why have him practice? What is the point? That's the that's the middle ground that they've come to. I'm not saying – listen, it, no easy answer it's, it's inane. Like you either – you to me, you either say, look, Deshaun is not suspended. He's not on the commissioner's list. We're playing him until further notice. That's what's happening. Or you say – Look, we're not we're not taking away his pay, but we've asked him to stay home. It's going to be a massive distraction. He's getting full pay. He's working out on his own. He's sending us updates. We're in constant contact with him, so on and so forth. I just think in the end, that's one of those two things makes sense. Anything in between is just this weird purgatory type of, of situation. And I will say too, like 
Deshaun Watson, just based off his football talent, you, I think, should make a case. He's a top five quarterback in the league. I, I would make a case that behind Mahomes and Rodgers, I might take him over anybody else in football. And I feel like this story somehow is like not a big enough story nationally. Like it somehow doesn't get talked about as like we spent so much time on Rodgers and we're talking about, you know, can, can the Bucks repeat or, or the Chiefs this year? This is a 20, I believe 25 year old superstar quarterback who is obviously facing some very significant off field issues is, is in one of the weirdest training camp situations I can ever remember. And it feels like it's like a footnote nationally. Like no one either wants to talk about it or will talk about it. I, I mean, this is one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen, not only in my time covering the league, but even watching the league. Like, this is a huge deal. And it's, it's very bizarre the way the whole thing is played out in, well, in a lot of different ways. We certainly have covered it right here on Stack in the Box. So we can we move on. Uh, and you brought up Aaron Rodgers, the news uh, – not surprising that he's not going to play in any preseason games this year in all likelihood, which he of course did not do last year. There wasn't preseason and didn't do the year before either, but uh, Jordan love will finally be on the field for the Packers and he's super excited about it. So green Bay fans can get a little peek at their future. Uh, I don't think this is COVID related at all, or even his off season related. It's just how good Aaron Rodgers is period that it's just not worth putting him out there and risking any injury in the preseason. But speaking of COVID, uh, we're asking the question, how big is this going to loom for teams? There's, you know, if you look at the bills, you've got Emmanuel Sanders tweeting out accountability, availability, don't have time to deal with no BS during the season. Hashtag chasing greatness. You know, he's letting everybody know I've done the, I've, I've taken the vaccine. Hey, right here. No problem with me sharing the fact that I did it. And then you've got Cole Beasley, same team speaking out against the vaccine and doing all the press conferences that he's doing. So I, I do think that this is going to have an impact on the season outside of the fact that you've had coaches like Rick Dennison, offensive line coach in Minnesota, losing their job over it. Same thing in New England with Cole Popovich, their co-offensive line coach. Uh, you know, it's right th- that those are not head coaches, but uh, you know, we're right by the season. Coaches leaving. It's 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 uh, not the normal thing, if, even if, even this no. early in the season. And and listen, I get it. For anyone who's listening to the podcast, who's fed up and doesn't want to hear about COVID, like I I get it. Okay, I don't want to talk about COVID anymore. Believe me. I'm exhausted by it. Every other person in the, in the, on the on the earth is exhausted by it, and I'm not here to try and make it. Like to me, I cannot stand when people say, "Well, you know, it's a political thing." It's not a political thing. Just stop. It's not. It's not a political thing. The, well, the it vaccine, is for some. It is for some. But but it's not like it's been made political. But it's not political. Okay. It should Polit- be political. Trickle but- down economics is political. Getting a vaccine is not political. Can you break okay? down trickle down economics for us? I'd I can, but I'm not going to do it here. All right. Now I, I went, I believe me, I took a lot of poli sci in college. Um, I'm not, I'm not here to be a doctor, but I, but as an NFL analyst, I will tell you this teams that are less vaccinated is absolutely going to play a role in their season. It is. And here's why. Okay. For anyone who's not aware, the way it works is let's just say, 
because Kirk Cousins has been in the news lately with his plexiglass box that he might might enjoy during the team meetings. Okay, let's say Kirk Cousins not vaccinated. Okay, he doesn't have to get COVID nineteen to go on the COVID nineteen list. He can be around somebody who is deemed a close contact, and then he has to miss time. We all saw that play out last year, right? Where you'd have you know, eighteen guys on a team would be on a COVID list. The way it works with a vaccinated player is if, if that same player, if Kirk Cousins was vaccinated and he was a close contact to someone who was testing positive for COVID-19, he would not have to quarantine. He would not miss the game. So the NFL, even with the added games, a 17-game schedule, go ask Baltimore how big of a deal it was that they basically forfeited a game in Pittsburgh last year. If they won that game, they would have won the division. They would have had a home game. They would have had a totally different road in the playoffs, but they didn't. They were playing Robert Griffin III, okay? And, and that that literally changed the season. They might have won that game if, if Lamar Jackson plays and all these other guys can play. Now, Lamar- last year, of course, it's different. There was no vaccine available. Exactly. And, 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 and so that so my, I'm not blaming them for last year. There's nothing they could do about that. Now, however, if just taking aside even your personal beliefs about the vaccine, if you're a fan of a team – that has to essentially forfeit a game or play with half their stars because of a situation like that this year, you're going to be pissed. You're going to be like, I cannot believe we're losing to the Lions this week because we're missing you know, seven of our offensive starters because nobody wanted to get vaccinated. And I, I get it. Look, people are tired of it. I'm tired of it too, but it is a fact of life. Until people get vaccinated in the NFL, it is going to be a story because it's going to affect competitive balance. The Lions, once again, being brought into this – like it's Calvin, not their fault, but it is what it is. Yeah, well, Calvin Johnson to, with a non-thank you to the Detroit Lions in his Hall of Hall of Fame speech. Way to go, Calvin! You deserve to take that shot. As Detroit took money away from your signing bonus when you retired after they, in essence, uh, greatly impacted your amazing Hall of Fame career. But look, you've got by all published reports here. Seattle is at the front of the food chain with uh, over 90% of their players vaccinated. The Chiefs, Broncos, Falcons, Bucks, Dolphins, Steelers, also among the league leaders reportedly in vaccine players and staff. Tier one individuals, coaches, front office, equipment managers, scouts, they have to be vaccinated even to keep their job. So the league is going to be I would think at least 90% vaccinated. So I don't think there's going to be um, stoppages in play or people losing no. game checks, but you do have situations where Bruce Arians in Tampa, he said, he, he, you know, he, he told reporters down there that he would fine any unvaccinated player, 14 grand. That's the most that's allowed for not wearing a mask in an area where it's required. So we should, it, Right. So, hey, we're we're watching you, dude. Period. You have the freedom of choice in this country not to get vaccinated. And Bruce Arians has the freedom of choice to find your ass $14,000. And that's his freedom of choice that he's about to exercise. So I don't have a problem with it. I am going to be fascinated to see. We don't have to go down this road because it's pointless right now. But when the FDA approves this vaccine, it's going to be very interesting to see what the NFL does. Because I could definitely see a world where the NFL goes, yeah, guess what? You're getting vaccinated. And the idea, by the way, that you can't is can't do that is, is butkus. You can absolutely do that. You have to you have to have certain vaccines to go to college. Like that's 
the way it works. Like businesses right. can do that. I'm again, we're not there yet. It's not, but I'm just kind of, you know, just a, something to think about. What will the NFL do? Will the NFL mandate it? And by the way, I bring it up only because the NFL PA usually kind of pushes against anything like that. They have gone hand in hand with the NFL this entire time on this thing. You wonder how that'll play out. All right, let's take our first uh, quick time out here, and we're coming back with – we're going to have our DeMarcus Ware hit right now for you. DeMarcus talking about the Dallas Cowboys uh, and, of course, Dak being back. And we also I, – I did this interview with DeMarcus uh, the end of last week, touched on Denver and their quarterback situation, and maybe Aaron Rodgers finishing up his career as a Bronco because we, I think – all realize that it's not going to end in Green Bay. And DeMarcus was on the Broncos uh, with Peyton Manning, who, by the way, just went into the Hall of Fame. Another thing real quick, Verderam, did you see Manning's speech? Yes, it was phenomenal. It was, but, like, he had to race through it because the NFL put a time limit on it. So he's speaking so fast. It's like he was on, like, 2.0 speed. Don't rush Peyton Manning, man. He's Peyton damn Manning. Like, I almost feel like there shouldn't, you know – Hall of Famers are not all created equal. Peyton gets more time. That's the way it is. Don't want to hear as much from, you know, some of the lesser lights that are still Hall of Famer. I enjoyed his speech was great. It really made me think like if he wants to be the commissioner one day, that that probably ought to happen. Um, I mean, how many people have that much passion for their job? Um, He was great. I enjoyed Isaac Bruce, who, if you watched it, I mean, if you know him, yeah, the the Reverend Ike, and that's just, you know, moniker, and he's extremely devoutly religious. And he, he weeds quite a bit of that and it was into his speech. But I enjoyed the part where he said, you know, he had a scout in 1994 when, during the draft process, basically tell him that he wasn't very well liked among a lot of teams in the NFL. And, and Isaac Bruce was like, I, I prayed that he lived to see this day so I could, I could tell him how does he like me now. <laughs> there, there are some good ones. There are some good But Manning, Manning was fantastic. Charles Woodson um, was, was great as well. There were a lot of really good did you get a little teary-eyed with uh, Manning and his dad because you're so close with your dad around football? I I didn't get teary-eyed, but it was no, it was a, it was a cool moment though. You know, yeah. I mean, it you know, look, it goes to show. I think like the thing I enjoy most about the Hall of Fame, I could do without those thirty-minute speeches. I'm glad they shortened them up, but it goes to show how much they, these guys really it means to them. Like how much work that goes in. It shows they're human. One of my favorite speeches ever was Emmett Smith's when he was talking about Daryl Johnston. And he got so overcome with emotion. And I just, you know, it's like, I thought that was great. Like on Emmett Smith's day, you know, he, he points out his well, fullback. You know, I, that kind of stuff is the stuff I really enjoy. Right. It's the locker room. It's being in the quote-unquote football war. And right. it's your whole life, man. They, they You put everything into it. Uh, uh, yes, it should mean a lot to you. So it's always good when it comes out. All right. Quick timeout. Here comes DeMarcus Ware next on Stacking the Box. Let's pause for a quick second here so we can pay some bills. We're right back with Stacking the Box. Look at my guy, DeMarcus Ware. He looks he looks rested. I think he had a great night's sleep. <laughs> working, yes, with, working with sleep number, Mark DeMarcus. Tell me, tell me why you wanted to uh why you are getting that such that that good sleep, the options they provide for you? I like it. I like it, man. I think that it's one of those things where when the NFL partners with an amazing company like, you know, the Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed, 
I didn't know how cool it was until I got one of the beds, right? You know, being a former athlete, recovery is everything. We know how big and regiment our wellness is, but now being part of an initiative to where not just the, the players that have played get the good stuff, now the Pro Football Hall of Famers get the good stuff, right? And um, when you have a bed that is smart, and what I mean by that, that has so much technology from, you know, sleep IQ that tells you, you know, how well you're sleeping from your heart rate, from your movement in the bed, and then gives you a score in the morning. Or, you know how, if you want to move up and down in the bed, get comfortable. If you want to go from five to a hundred, the, you mean, meaning like the firmness of the bed, you can do all those things, right? But sleep is everything. And so now you can see a lot of the guys now are getting back on the field a lot faster. And for me being retired, um, sleeping better. And we, as you see the sleepy eyes, the sleep number did that. <laughs> I have it on good intel, Demarcus, that, that Dan Quinn is, is sleeping a little bit better after seeing his defense in action. We, we, we know the Cowboys have a, a, have a little bit of a mountain to climb after last year. Well, yeah. What do you think of this, this Cowboy D going into, into the season? We got a little ways to go. Yeah, I saw, I saw a spark that I wanted to see, right? I saw guys running around with confidence. Um, you know, everybody makes a little bit of mistakes here and there going into that 3-4, three, 4-3 four, four, three hybrid type defense. But I saw guys running around like, you know, their butts were on fire. And so especially like the young guys, you know, you know, getting fumble recoveries, getting pressure, but running from sideline to sideline. And that's what I look at. Are the guys actually filling their gaps? keeping their responsibilities. And I saw that on the defense, even though all the starters weren't out there. So I can't wait to see now all the starters get on board, you know, playing that first preseason game and be good with it. So I'm excited for them. How nervous are you or how nervous, I guess, should the Cowboys be about uh, Dak Prescott and whatever issue he's got going on here with the, the shoulder underneath the armpit, coming back here, missing out on reps. Obviously, he's, you know, maybe missing out on seasons. So you would think that this is some key time for him to get up to speed with his guys. Yeah. Um, I think right now um, it's all about getting them healthy. Um, and he's not healthy enough to play. I mean, I mean, training camp is a bruiser on your body. So letting them get a little time off, get ready for the season. Cause it's a long season. Right. And at the end of the day, get to what, you know, and that's feeding Zeke, feed Zeke to football, get into, you know, them play action plays, get, you know, I mean, they have a plethora of wide receivers there. So um, I think that just getting Dak back healthy is going to be the key. So you think the Cowboys should run their offense through Zeke? <laughs> Hands to what? Feed <laughs> Zeke. <laughs> I, I, I think no matter what, that's what you have to get going. You got all the offensive linemen back and they're hungry. I mean, talking to Tyron, he's like, man, I can't wait to get into somebody's ass. I mean, that's what he's saying. And you know that's going all the way down the line of the offensive lineman. So guess what? Let those dudes run the football, move the line of scrimmage, take a little bit of pressure off of Dak, and now beat you deep with, you know, 88, beat you deep with, you know, 89. I'm just calling some numbers out. Players that can make those big plays that are out there. And I can't wait to see that. Um you know, see them do it. Just get back into what they're used to doing. Do, do you think that CeeDee Lamb could turn into a number one receiver? I think he can. Right now they're using him more as a position receiver. Um, but if they give him an op opportunity to, you know, stretch the field a little bit, run up the seam, he can get the job done. 
But, you know, last year they were more focused on him, knowing that they weren't running the ball as well. But now I think everything is going to fall in line. So you win six games. There's going to be heat on a first-year head coach, especially in Dallas. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I I don't know what the future holds. No one does for Mike McCarthy, but what does he have? What do you, what do you think he has to show in year two that perhaps we did not see in year one? Um, you know how usually they say, Oh, we just want to see improvement. You, there's no improvement when you're coaching for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, when you lose the first game of the season, you're, they, they will say your season's over. That's just the way that the fans are and you know, everything else that surrounds it. But if you win that first game, okay. I think they're playing the first game against Tampa, I think. Isn't that, is that correct? They're playing the first game against Tampa. If you beat Tom Brady, that lets you know where your standards are. I'm just, that's just me. I'm, I'm uh, a go-getter. And so for them to be able to beat Tampa Bay, they, that first game will let everybody know that we are able to do this and we're going to be all right this season. I want to go back to the defense, and I was looking at the defensive coordinators that you played for. Who made the biggest impact for you on the defensive coordinator side? I mean, you had you had Wade as a head coach and as a DC. There's there's yeah. a lot of options here. Does anyone stand out? I think uh, one of the uh, defensive coordinator, but also head coach was Wade Phillips. Like Wade Phillips was a guy that really let me loose and rushed the passer. Um, as soon as he came into, um, you know. The, with the Dallas Cowboys, I think he was head coach. Yeah, he was head coach at the time. And he just let me and Anthony Spencer just get after the quarterback, right? And um, so Wade was the biggest impactful coach um, on defense that I can say that really made my career what it is right now. I mean, does does making a change at, at, at D.C., does that ha- can that have a huge impact on a team? Or is it more the talent? Because I mean, if you look it's at the, if talent, you look at man, the, it's yeah. a talent. I I don't care what nobody say. Like I went from a four three, played with Rod Mar- Rod Marinelli. I went from a three four, played with um, six technique with Bill Parcells, and then go to Wade Phillips playing nine technique and getting after quarterback. And we were able to change what we wanted to because the scheme was great, but the players just said, if you call the most simplest plays, we're going to beat the guy on the other side with it no matter how they change. So the scheme has a little bit to do with it, but the most of it is, is the want to. How much are you buying into the system? And a lot of guys don't buy into the system and a lot of guys don't like to change. So let me, let me move over to Denver because let, let's go back end of DeMarcus's career. And, you know, you had that Peyton Manning guy at, at, and he wasn't, you know. That guy. That guy. I mean, he's cold. <laughs> yeah. And, the way I'm tying that in today is, you know, there, what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers after this season? Maybe he could have a Peyton Manning style ending of his career in Denver. What do you think of that? Whoa, whoa. That would be something a little different. If Aaron Rodgers goes to Denver and I mean, they already got the defense already. Right. And they got some great players on offense too. Now they're, I know that they have the battle right now with the quarterbacks and trying to see who's going to get, you know, those top receivers and tight ends to football. But if Aaron Rodgers could do that in Denver, ooh, I mean, Green Bay would hate him. But that would be a great story um, for that guy. 
I mean, quarterbacks tend to end their careers this way. We, you mentioned Brady and the Cowboys opening up against the Bucks. You, you play with Peyton. Uh, Philip Rivers finished up with, with right. Indy. I mean, it, right. this is Joe Montana was a Kansas City Chief. Normally, this is how it goes. I think Denver might be the perfect spot for a good old Aaron. Yeah, I think I, you know what would it be cool if let's say, let's say if they did get an Aaron Rodgers, but right now, I mean, you can't think about that. He's in Green Bay. It's almost like who's going to be the quarterback right now between Locke and uh, Bridgewater, right? What and would you so, do? Uh, I mean, you I, you got to go with the quarterback. I mean, the, both of them are great gunslingers, but who can maintain that? You know, once you get that pressure, string those plays out like Aaron Rodgers. I played against Teddy Bridgewater, and he's a when he's healthy, he's a beast. And you're not going to just get back there and just sack him. So I, I don't know. I'm up for grabs right now. I hadn't watched, you know, too much of him. So uh, give me a couple games and then holler at me. I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> Let's wrap up here. Are the Cowboys in the playoffs this year? What do you think? Um, if they feed Zeke and they run the football like they should, take the pressure off of Dak. Um, yes, I feel like they can make the playoffs. and I feel like they can go deep into the playoffs in the NFCs. So you got them winning the division. That's what I just heard. Yeah, I got them, I got them winning the division. They can do it. It's But it's going to come down to the end. That division gets hot <laughs> at the end. So we're going to see what they're going to do. All right? I don't, you're not overly confident, Demarcus, which is fair. <laughs> hey, right now, we're in the preseason. Okay. I want, I want to get out of the preseason. That's with any team, with Denver, any of those teams. Yeah. They, yeah. It, it's preseason first. I want to see some guys running around first. Your your biggest concern in the NFC East? Um, I think the Philadelphia Eagles are a sleeper. That's I interesting. I think they're a sleeper, man. For some reason, they've been real quiet. And I don't, I don't know why, but I feel like the Philadelphia Eagles are – a team that's going to emerge a little bit after all the stuff that they went through and talking to Fletcher Cox, they, they're real quiet, man, but they got their, got their stuff in order. All right. That's, that's <laughs> a, that, I, I didn't think that was coming. That's a good curveball. Yeah. yeah. DeMarcus, great to see you. We'll, we'll I thank catch you up guys for it. Thank you for yeah. inviting me on and man, tell everybody to check out, you know, sleep number 360 bed, man. It's, it's amazing. After, you know, three back surgeries, I sleep well. And I know you can see the sleepy eyes a little bit right now. I'm on vacation, but guess what? I'm still enjoying myself, and uh, sleep number is part of that. All I see is a big smile. You look rested. <laughs> Take care, Demarcus. All right, thanks. Quick timeout. Stay with us. You are listening to Stacking the Box. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. We continue stacking the box as we move into the future Rendaxed has watched the Tampa Bay Buccaneers be awful at football for a long time. And uh, now he's preparing to be a podcaster who is looking to go back to back. Uh, the pewter cast is an outstanding podcast for you Buccaneer and NFL football fans everywhere. Ren, we appreciate you taking time. Congratulations on having Tom Brady and winning a Super Bowl. Uh, thank you uh, very much for having me. And thank you for the congratulations. 
I will say last year, like you alluded to about watching bad football for a very long time. Um, some of the newer NFL fans may not know that the Bucks went a full decade without winning more than five games. Uh, and I was a fan through all of it, but it was definitely weird and a change to do a podcast on a team that it's, it's a lot easier when you're losing. I'll tell you what, because you can point, come on and point stuff out and you can do a, you know, like a half hour, hour show on the linebackers. But when, you know, everyone's, everyone's back and uh, you know, people are projecting like eight, nine pro bowlers and we have the best odds to go back to the super bowl. It's not quite as easy to find content, but that is my only very small complaint. You know, for you last year, it was an interesting year because before we go into the future, we'll just rewind, rewind real quick. You guys were seven and mm-hmm. five at one point. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of talent. Everybody could see how talented the team was, but the defense was even carrying the offense really early. Mm-hmm. Then things came together, really came together in the second half of that Chiefs game in the regular season, and then kind of went from there. But you go into the playoffs as a five seed because the Saints win the division. So mm-hmm. at what point during the playoffs were you like, yeah, I think this team's going to win the Super Bowl, or I think it can win the Super Bowl. You know, was that was that in the Washington game? Was it before the playoffs? Was it after the Saints game? Like, when did you lock in at that point? I think it was. Everyone was talking about seven and five, no big deal. Obviously, we'd like to have better showings during the regular season because right before that Chiefs game was the other primetime game against the Saints, where Drew Brees just drove down the field, picked us apart, and I think we we're down thirty-five by halftime. It was embarrassing. And then the Chiefs come to town and Tyreek Hill is, is doing the peace sign, doing backflips and, you know, two touchdowns and over 150 yards or so in the first quarter against the secondary. And as a fan, it was embarrassing because we like this isn't what we signed up for, or at least hope we didn't sign up for. Uh, then the bye week came and we had uh, the Minnesota Vikings, the uh, Atlanta Falcons, the Detroit Lions and finish off the Carolina Panthers. And they made two, I mean, they, the coaching staff, the Buccaneers made two very uh, big decisions. Uh, One, they were going to do everything they could to keep Brady upright. That meant helping out Donovan Smith, the left tackle with Gronk um, uh, more than usual. BA loved Bruce Arians, head coach of the Buccaneers, loves to put out five guys in routes. They decided, hey, four is good enough with the talent we have. So we're going to keep Brady upright. And secondly, Todd Bowles, who if you're a Jets fan, you know, would not, would not, would not go away from uh, cover one, deep safety, wouldn't change, came out of the bye week. They did two safeties. They're not going to be us over the top. We're going to run some mesh man concepts underneath their young athletic corners. Of course, with Devin White and Levante David being two very fast and athletic linebackers. And we're going to roll dice, see what happens. But as a Bucks fan, you have to get by the Saints. You just have to. We had lost five in a row to the Saints, who we played twice a year, obviously. And uh, I thought we were going to win the Saints game, but once we, you know, vanquished our, our arch enemy, uh, the Packers weren't even a, a forethought. And then when it came to the Super Bowl, it was like our two left tackles are out and everyone's picking the Chiefs. And I'm sitting here going, you double Tyreek Hill, you put Levante David on Travis Kelsey. That may not work, but you can give him help later. Like, if if Mahomes doesn't force the ball to Tyreek Hill, they're gonna have trouble scoring. And uh, yeah, so there we are, winning the Super Bowl at home. Yeah, let, let's go right there into the future here, Ren. Uh, the Chiefs are the odds-on favorite right now to win it all this year, and the Bucks are second. Uh, and there's a 
if you look at Vegas's numbers, there's a significant gap down to three in Buffalo and then the Ravens and the Packers, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think the Bucs are overrated? A little too much confidence in Tampa Bay, or do you think that they're right where they should be? Last year, I would have said they're completely overrated. You know, like Tom Brady hadn't taken a snap even in practice and NFL Network and ESPN. Like, Bucks are going to the Super Bowl. Here we go. Like, they were handing us the title. And at one point, you know, like Matt said, we were seven and five and going into the bye week. And, you know, nothing was guaranteed except we weren't going to win the division. Uh, so, but this year, no, like we're not. I actually, I, I was a little upset when you told me the Chiefs were actually favored more. <laughs> Uh, we brought everyone back. Shaq Barrett's back. Chris Godwin's back. Dominican Sue's back. Uh, um, I'm, I know I'm missing Leonard Fournette's back. Antonio Brown's back. Gronk is back. All these people had to be signed. Uh, so like our top 25, 26 guys are all back. We lost our, our first guy off the bench tackle and our uh, fourth safety. That's who we lost this year. And then we had our draft and we had our Giovanni Bernard who is going to be perfect for this offense. He is killing it in training camp. Again, like everyone says, but it's true with this. If the Bucks, if there's no major injuries, and it's really just Tom Brady, because the depth on this team is it, laughable. It's ridiculous. It's embarrassing to even talk about how, how deep some of these positions are. If Tom Brady plays all 17 games, the Bucks are in the playoffs, period, end of story. Period, end of story. I think I agree. Look, I I always try to go by history, and I always say that, look, it's really hard to repeat. It's really hard to even get back to the Super Bowl, right? We saw Kansas City come one one win away. They got to the Super Bowl, of course, didn't win it. Haven't had a team do it famously now since the 03-04 Pats. But when I look at the, the season, I, I think they're the two best teams in football. Like yeah. I really just think they're just both going to be back in the Super Bowl. You know, And I think the question with Kansas City is the offensive line and that coming right. together. And with Tampa, I think it's age. That's the big question, right? Like, there are a lot of guys who are 30-plus. Brady, of course, is the magician. We'll talk about him in a minute mm-hmm. of 44. But, you know, when you have older players, you have injury concerns. That, to me, is that to me is the only real concern for Tampa. Just mm-hmm. guys who are over that age. You know, Gronk's had injuries in the past. Antonio Brown, can he stay healthy? You guys are condomkin, too. Because last year, the Bucks really, their big injury was Vita Vey, but he came back in the postseason, mm-hmm. and they were really healthy. And so, I always look at that, but I give – I give the Bucks a pretty good shot to repeat. I think they're the most talented roster in football. Um, uh, I, I, I just I think the question is just really a question of health. And I think it's where are the Packers? The Packers to me are the wild card in this. Does Rodgers go scorched earth or do they fall apart? But I think the, the Bucks have one huge advantage. The division's terrible. So yeah. they're gonna win the division and they have a pretty easy schedule because of it. Well, the NFC North's not exactly uh the premier division in football either. I, I I'll take green Bay, but I'll, and I'll, I guess I'll be the minority right now. I just going to bet against repeat and age and Brady being 44 years old, which you just teed up Bert Ram. Uh, Ren, he's 44 things. Uh, you know, right now he's probably eating kale and doing Pilates and, uh, mm-hmm. giving himself an enema. And I mean, everything possible to stay healthy. Are, are you worried about his age? No, I'm not. I mean, it's like, Here's a quick little story. When we first, I should quit saying we, when the Buccaneers first signed Tom Brady, uh, we went out and found a beat reporter for the Patriots to come on the podcast. And he started the conversation by, you know, it was my, it's, I just want to say it was my honor and privilege to ask Tom Brady questions for two years on the beat reporter. And I'm like, what? 
what are you talking? What do you mean with your honor? And like, what is going on here? And you hear about this sort of like loyalty and love to Tom Brady above everybody else. But watching Tom Brady for just one year, and I know the Super Bowl, it's kind of easy, but even before that, just sort of, you know, we call it the Brady effect. Everyone calls it the Brady effect. Uh, if he tells me he's going to walk on water, I'm betting that he's going to do it. I'm just because, because, <laughs> you know, he's the type of guy he's not going to say, I'm going to walk on water. No, he can't do it. So, yes, he's going to do everything possible. Is his age a factor? No, I, I don't like he's in such great shape. It's it's and it's all about, you know, it's more like kind of like Pilates, all about stretching and pliability. Pliability is this huge thing. Hydration and pliability and get your sleep. Like, that's what he says. Like, that's those are the things. And he's been doing it forever. He can play as long as he wants to. He really can. I, I really wonder some days he's going to play like, he's like 50. I, I, I know he won't, but you, there are some days you'll look at him and you're like, hey, maybe. I mean, yeah. I, I think his biggest value to the Bucks really is not his arm, it's his mind. I, mean, oh, yeah. I, I think, you know, look, you know, if you go back and you look in the playoffs for Tampa, now, of course, the defense was great. Like everybody knows it. But Brady in the playoffs, he was fine against Washington. Mm-hmm. He was not good against New Orleans. He mm-hmm. had a second half against Green Bay. He was very good in the first half against Green Bay. The second half against Green Bay, he was terrible. Tried and to the lose Bowl, the game. Yeah, I mean, really, almost cost him. And then the Super Bowl, to be fair, is a, he didn't have to do much because no. they, you know, they they really just kind of ran the ball and played, you know, pitch and catch with these short routes. My point is, I'm not knocking him at all, but the Tampa Bay roster is so good around him, mm-hmm. pretty much has to distribute the ball, not make big mistakes. Look, he doesn't have the army did ten years ago. Nobody's going to have 44 years old, but he's still good enough to win. I like to me, and I mentioned the older guys being my main concern. Brady is not one of them. Right. My bigger concern are guys in the trenches who are 30 plus Gronk, who's got a long history of that, because that is my concern that if, if, if Brady has to carry a lot more of it, kind of like he did in New England at the end, right? then it becomes an issue. But yes. if he doesn't have to do that and he can throw for 250 yards a game and just play great in the red zone, he'll be fine. He'll, mm-hmm. he'll be fine. He's still, he's still healthier than most guys in the league, even at his advanced age. Who do you guys think is the, the Bucks' biggest challenge? Ren, go ahead. In, in the uh, NFC. And we're just talking about getting to the Super Bowl. Sure. Uh, injuries. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, yeah, that's it. Um, you know, of course, Green Bay, like, like, like you picked there, Mark. You know, uh, Aaron Rodgers, like, is he going to scorch the earth? Well, he scorched the earth last year. They went 13-3. And I think they went 13-3 the year before that. He yep. won the MVP last year. You know, it just didn't kind of work out in the end there. Um, so, yeah, it's Green Bay and Tampa and – I don't know. Pick a name out of the hat uh, there. You know, there's really there's really not much. And it's so weird for me as a Bucks fan to, to kind of think like this. You know, it's usually it's like, OK, you look at the schedule. go, Yeah, we can go 10 and six. We can go 10 and six if every single thing goes perfect. Like my tight end has his best career year. The second year player who was kind of promising at, at corner turns into a tier one corner, you know. But with these things, it's like. These all the roster is so deep and, and has so much experience. It's if they just play to a median year, they're still going to be favored in every single game they play. So, I mean, it's I think they're getting the playoffs. It's it's almost a no brainer. I, w- I would take any odds on that. I really would, you know, uh, with the caveat. Of oh, course, yeah. Brady goes. Actually, I've been saying on my part, I bl- blame Gabbert can win 11 games with this team. And I know everyone laughs at Blaine Gabbert, and I just bring up, well, that's what you said about Ryan Tannehill. You know, Ryan Tannehill was a complete joke before he went to Tennessee. And Bruce Arians, who knows a lot about quarterbacks, 
you know, um, he loves Blaine Gabbert. He actually said recently, and this is total hyperbole, but he said Blaine Gabbert's the most underrated player in the NFL. So right. Jason Light, the GM, loves him. Um, so anyway, I, it's like it's, you know, when it gets to the playoffs, it's sort of any given Sunday. So, yeah, right now we can say Green Bay. Uh, like, who else is there? I, I was going to say, I think I think Rams? the NFC West and whoever wins the division in the NFC West will be good. Is probably the other one. Right. Because, yeah, yeah right. Whoever wins that division is a hell of a team. It's a, yes. it's a great division. I, I almost think in some ways now. <laughs> I believe you got to have a great quarterback to win. You just do. If you look mm-hmm. at through the years, right? I mean, we're talking who are the last handful of guys to win it, right? It's, it's Brady or it's Mahomes or it's Manning or it's Roethlisberger, Rodgers. I, I think Seattle's the team that you throw in there only because Wilson's a great player. He's unorthodox. They have weapons. You know, they can throw the ball down the field. The Rams are a team I don't know what to make. Like the Rams, they could win 10 games and, and be a wild card team. And that wouldn't surprise me. They could also be really good. I just don't know. The Niners, if Trey Lance is the real deal right out of the shoot, mm-hmm. then they're interesting because their defense can do a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. Like, would I bet against Brady against a rookie? No, I wouldn't. Like, I, as a Chiefs fan, I saw Brady play Mahomes in Arrowhead in the AFC title game. And the Chiefs in that game, you know, they made mistakes that the Pats just didn't. I mean, even though the Pats lost the turnover battle, like if you go back and look, like there were some throws that she should have had, they should have they should have scored on, they missed, whatever. Um, I think it's got to be Green Bay, though. Green Bay to me is the team. They were the one seed last year. That game was on their racket. Like if you're if you're Rodgers and you retire and you don't win another Super Bowl, you'll you'll wake up thinking about that game a lot of days going forward. So yeah. I think it's the but it's similar to the AFC. Like I think the Chiefs are heads and tails above everybody else. Again, yeah, Buffalo could beat them. You know, maybe Cleveland could beat them, but similar to Kansas City, if Tampa plays its best game, I just think Tampa's better. I, I do. Yeah. So no, I, I'm with you, and and like Seattle's a good pick to bring up because you know you can't just sort of have a two team argument. Um, but with Seattle, like you were talking about, how it was like the last year in New England with Brady, where everything's on his shoulders. This seems like it's been like with Russell Wilson for the past few yes. years. Yes. Like the, he's gonna pull like two or three games out of his hat because of his feet and his competitiveness, but they can't keep him upright when it counts. And, you know, they're going to win 10, 11 games. They're going to get, they're going to get knocked out in the first round or the first not non, you know, sort of like wild card round, because once push comes to shove and you got to, you, you know, like everyone's got to fire on all cylinders to win a game. Like you said, like best on best and like, no, you know, no one makes a dumb mistake. Seattle just can't hang. It's their offensive line. Like, still, their offensive line can't, can't hang. And their defense isn't anything like it used to be. No, it just isn't. Let, let's wrap up just looking at the South itself. And the question we have on for you here, Ren, is uh, will it be over wrapped up by Thanksgiving? Uh, maybe Sam Darnold goes big. I don't know. The resurgent uh, Falcons? Uh, New Orleans figures out their quarterback situation and just moves on from Drew Brees, or is this thing over by Thanksgiving? What do you think? I think it's over by Thanksgiving, but it would be a very buck story for Jameis Winston to come hot out of the gates and, and <laughs> you know, and, and, and be like, you know, some, I don't know, like eight and three or eight and two by Thanksgiving. And, and it's a real horse race or Brady goes down week one. I don't know. He's hit by a bus and Blaine Gabbert's, you know, like, you know, five and four and, you know, we're three games back of the saints. 
Um, I've actually picked the Panthers to come in second in the division. I know it's a huge question mark with Darnold, but I like Matt Rule. He can turn around a program real fast. He made a very quick decision with Teddy Bridgewater. He refused to throw the ball down the field. Can't be our guy. They have spent a ton of draft capital in the past two drafts in their defense, and they're young. They're still a year away, I think, from competing. But since, you know, you, you said earlier, Mark, how bad, you know, the NFC South is, and Atlanta's such a wild card. Like, if their defense can just improve this much, they can win two more games. They improve this much, they can win four more games. Uh, the offense is going to be there with or without Julio Jones. It, it just always has been. Uh, you know, adding Michael Pitts, you know, another unicorn tight end that the league seems everyone has nowadays. Uh, but I mean, if I, if I, if you held a gun to my head and that's how I always make these big decisions, I would lean towards, yes, the bucks will have the division wrapped up by Thanksgiving. I think they will too. I mean, I'm, you know, you look at their schedule. There's some tough road games at the Rams week three. At the Saints, it's, you know, it's a rivalry. It'll always be a game that's tough. You know, I actually think coming out of the bye, now it does help you out of the bio, but week 10 at Washington, like Washington can play defense. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting game. Um, you know, at, at week 12, the Colts will see if that's a tough game. That's right around Thanksgiving. I I just think the rest of I first of all, I think Tampa is going to win, you know, 13, 14 games. And yeah. I look at that division, it's like, who else is winning nine? Right. Yeah. Carolina, I think, is probably a seven win team. Atlanta is probably that. I mean, look, I'll give the Saints respect in this regard. They have a very good head coach Mm -hmm. and and it's a very good offensive line with Kamara behind Mm -hmm. it. it, But if Michael Thomas isn't there, who the hell's catching the football? I mean, I I don't know who that is. Defensively, the Saints are better than people realize. I I think the only way this stays a real race is if the Saints defense really carries the mail for them early. They find their footing offensively, and the Bucs may be there a slot of the game. They have some injury issues, and it's one of these things that, you know, 12 games into the year, the Bucs are 9-3 and three and the Saints are like 8-4 and four or something. But right. I think it's over. I, I think the NFC South, of all the divisions in the league, I think is the one where I just look at and go, yeah, there's, I just can't make an argument for anybody else to win the division. Hey, Ren, great stuff. We really appreciate you joining us. The Pewter Cast for all your Buccaneer conversation needs is right there for you. My first ever NFL game in person, I believe, at least that I can remember right now, was Bucks versus Bears, Super Bowl season, 1985, week one, Bears 38, Bucks 28. Yours truly, Mark Carmen with Papa Fred in the family section in the end zone at Soldier Field. It was a beautiful, glorious, sunshiny Florida day in Chicago. So I've always had an, an, an affection for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and, and, and Doug Williams and somebody and to beat up on. So who was toting the rock? Was it Peyton or was it John L. Williams? Yeah. Right, 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 right. Well, you know, well, we, we was to Walter used to have some success against Tampa, but that wasn't exactly yeah. unique. Uh, <laughs> yeah. he, he had a lot of success <laughs> in his career. Uh, Hey Ren, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Anytime. Enjoyed being on. It was, it was really good talk. I love talking about uh, talking to knowledgeable fans. So anytime, thank you very much. Thank you to our guy, DeMarcus Ware, Ren Daxt, the pewter cast, making me feel like I want to be a Bucks fan just to hang out with Ren more. Let's do in or out, Matt Verderam. Uh, all four NFC West teams will finish with a winning record. What do you say, my friend, in, in or out? I'm Are out. You- I'm out. I think three of them will. Who's um, under? 
I, I think Arizona's under because, look, I think the Cardinals are one of the best last place teams of all time. I just think, you know, it's just going to be hard to get four teams with a winning record when you factor they're going to play each other. I don't know that it's ever happened in NFL history where a whole division has been above 500. So, well, if they all split all their games, it could happen. That's not. Yeah, no, I, I of course, but I just think that's, you know, that's hard, right? Like one of those teams will probably go two and four in the division or something. And, and look, you also have to factor in is just injuries happen, you know, stuff like that. Like one of those teams will have some snake bitten stuff. Like last year it was the Niners, you know, it could be another team this year. I, I think three of them will be uh, you know, of winning records. Seattle to me, and, and and the Rams and the Niners are the three strongest teams. And really, you could put them in any order you want. Like I, that is to me that division is fascinating in the sense. Of really, they're all very good. They all have like obvious questions too. Exactly. I don't think any of them are elite slash dominant. Uh, even if Seattle gets their stuff completely put back together, so I will take the uh, in on this one. Vernon Ram will be one of our You're added. In. Okay, it'll be one of our added bets. I think that that anomaly will happen in the NFC West. They're all over 500. We can add that to our uh, bears bet that Justin Fields won't start in the month of September. What's the payment on that again? Do we, do we, do we ever clarify that for our fields bet? Yes. Uh, it's like a minute long tweet where we have to pin our tweet and say how great the other person. Oh, right, 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 right. So, so yes, I I think I'd like to double maybe half down and maybe you can make it 90 seconds of calm gloriness gloriousness at uh yeah okay let's do let's look at uh, a little stick with the old nfc west and throw in the nfc north with justin fields and trey lance they'll lead their teams to the playoffs in or out i'll start on this one uh, because i'm definitely out on the bears being a playoff team Uh, the defense is shaky and so is the offensive line and i don't see that changing so i'm out on the bears for sure being in the playoffs verderam I too am out. I I am very intrigued though by Trey Lance. Like you've heard at a camp how he just looks incredible. And by the way, Justin Fields looks pretty damn good too. And everything you hear about him is he's pretty good. And I look forward to winning my bet by about week two when he's on the field. Um, because they, they just can't take watching Andy Dalton check down on third and six anymore. So I I'm I think that both guys are going to be good. I think both guys are going to be involved in their team's plans this year. Fields at a necessity. Lance, A, might force himself on the field. B, Garoppolo just always gets hurt. So I feel like at some point Lance will get his time to shine. If he, and if he does shine, does he ever come off the field? I don't know. Um, but I'm out because I, I agree. I just think the Bears, I think it's a tough road for them to get to the playoffs. I don't think it's impossible. I think it's tough. It, it's not impossible. Minnesota's a little wonky and another quarterbacks in a plexiglass box. Exactly. So that's never helping it. uh, And listen, they, they, you know, were not a dominant team last year and they snuck their way into the playoffs. It could happen, but I would, I'm going to, I'm going to bet against it. Um, Yeah. If if you win the Justin Fields bet, it's because they started him week one and Matt Nagy went completely against his word is would be my prediction or, or Dalton gets hurt, one of the two. I will continuously say they are going to play the Rams week one. They're going to score like nine points. Dalton's going to throw 100, you know, he's going to throw 25 passes for 140 yards. And they are just going to be like, yeah, you know what? We're good. Like, Fields looks ridiculous. Why are we wasting time with this? And by the way, and I'll throw this out real quick because it actually applies to both teams. 
stop already with the whole like, well, you know, that's what the Chiefs did with Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. Alex Smith was a far better quarterback than Andy Dalton. Like this idea that like, well, no, it was just, it was not the same. Kansas City was winning divisional title after divisional title with Alex Smith. Like they were a very good football team. Maybe a ceiling on them, but a very good football team. And so they had the ability to do that. The Bears have no such ability. To, like the Niners, it's more of an apt comparison. The Bears, that is a – every time somebody says, I don't want to punch through a screen. Like that is not a comparison. It's an awful comparison. Did you hear that? Do not make that comparison. Verderam will find you, and he will hurt you. This guy played high school hockey and was an enforcer in the middle of New York somewhere. Where'd you grow up again? Livingston, Mary, New York, which is about 90 minutes outside of Manhattan. Damn straight. And you kicked people's ass up there. You did not mess around. It's an interesting area of the country. <laughs> a lot of anger. All right, let's go. Let's move on to the Steelers. Uh, they'll finally have a losing record under Mike Tomlin. I'm not betting against Pittsburgh, man. I, I Big Ben's going to squeeze that lemon one more time. Last drop. Tomlin, you're the man. Steelers, in. What do you got? I, I think they're finally going to have a losing record, man. And, I, and I'm not 100% on that, which is why I put this on. I think it's an interesting question, right? Like, I could, you could definitely sell me they'll win nine games or something. Here's my biggest problem with the Steelers. That offensive line is terrible. Like, terrible. And it, you're not scheming that line because Roethlisberger is a statue. You know, it's not like you have Josh Allen back there or Mayfield or Mahomes, or of course, like a Lamar Jackson, where you could roll guys out and get them on. I mean, it's a line where think about think about the turnover here. Alejandro Villanueva has been a left tackle there forever. He's gone. Okay, he's in Baltimore now. Now he was bad last year, but fair enough. He was been there a long time. Marquise Pouncey, just center for a decade there, gone, retired. David DeCastro. All pro guard there for years on end, gone, cut. Matt Filer, good, solid guard last year, gone, signed with the Chargers. Who did they replace these guys with? Like Trey Turner is one of them. Who, who, Trey Turner's talented. He's always hurt. They have nobody else. Their line is brutal. And then you you pair that with Roethlisberger, who can't throw the ball anymore. Like if I'm a def- if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm like, this is great. I'm stacking eight guys. We're going to run blitz the hell out of this team. We're going to jam up the receivers. We have no fear of them going over the top. And I think the defense is good, but it lost Bud Dupree. All right. It lost Steven Nelson. It lost Mike Hilton. I just, I think they're like a seven or an eight win team. And what is a pretty good division, by the way? Yep. I, I, listen, if you can't protect up front and thank you for underlining all the changes, it's, it's an issue. Uh, there's, there's no way around it. I somehow think they're going to figure it out enough that, they uh, might. but that's, uh, you, challenges. I, I don't feel super confident in my inner out on that one. Uh, let's wrap up with Zach Wilson, who is not having a training camp to remember lots of struggles, lots of interceptions, nobody behind him. He's the only quarterback really. That's like you're starting dude. Yeah, and and now Robert Salah, their head coach, is saying, "Remember, Peyton Manning threw twenty-eight picks, and he sucked in '98 for the Colts. So let's not judge this guy right now." That's the same. That's the same thing. Um, 
I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb right now and say that yeah. I remember talking to people in the league, like high ranking people that you know, the former decision makers, scouts in the league, people who would know. And while nobody's ever 100% on about a quarterback, God knows, there's opinions all over the all over the place. I remember in about February talking to someone who I have a lot of respect for. He's been on the personnel side of things in the NFL for over 25 years. And I asked that person about their opinion on the quarterbacks. And their opinion was, look, Lawrence is absolutely number one. and loved Justin Fields. Thought Trey Lance had a lot of traits. Thought he was worth the first-round pick. Obviously a little concerned with the lack of experience. We got to Zach Wilson. And I don't want to say it was verbatim because this was from February. It was basically, I do not understand it. I cannot believe someone's going to take him with a first-round pick. The guy was completely average his entire time at BYU and then like had a good year and a COVID year. And he's like, he played behind a great line with a good running game. I would not, I would not go near him in the first round. Now that is one opinion. Okay. It doesn't mean that he's going to be terrible. The point is there were some red flags with him that I, I don't think he was that my source there was the only person who felt that way. There are a lot of people who I talked to who shared similar concerns and I don't necessarily put a ton of stock in like how he looks in training camp and like his eighth practice in the NFL ever, but there have been times like you'll read a report about him. He was 11 of 24 today with two picks, you know, like against the jets defense. That's not great. Like, and and he knows he's not going to get hit. Like that's the other part of that. Like normally in camp, like as a quarterback, you're slinging it around pretty good because you're like, I'm not going to get sacked. I don't have to worry about the pressure. You're 11 to 24 with a couple of picks? Really? That's that's at least a little concerning. Yeah, and by the way, when news like this comes out on quarterbacks when they're young, most times the news continues to go in that direction. Like it doesn't turn around for Brock Osweiler. It 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 didn't turn it Paxton Lynch. We can do like go down the list of guys who are getting early this guy doesn't look the part at all it I, I don't know if you can think of an example where people thought that the quarterback was terrible and then all of a sudden he turned out to be great does anyone pop to mind on that I mean in terms of the pre-draft process a lot of people crushed the Chargers taking Herbert no but, but yeah but once I'm talking about once training once camp start, on the field yeah no I, I, I mean I, because the guys in recent memory who have been first round picks who people are like yeah he just can't play like immediately Osweiler's a good one. They second round pick. He's a good one. Paxton Lynch was a guy yep. who just immediately. I remember watching Paxton Lynch, and I am by no means a quarterback evaluator, but I believe it was against the Niners. They played a preseason game his rookie year, and I watched it. Just obviously, you know, curious first round quarterback. It was evident within a drive. You're like this. There's just no chance. I mean, he can't process what he's seeing. There's no shot. Like Mark was Sanchez this- was kind of like that. You know, Tim so, Tebow yeah. was like that. Uh... Trubisky was it was fairly Trubisky, obvious. Really, he had a lot of limitations. I in, mean, in, in the preseason, Kaiser, in immediately, the, right? Johnny Manziel. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, look. The concern you have with the Jets is that Wilson had one good year at BYU, and he's going to a team that is not exactly a stellar track record in developing young quarterbacks. Right now, to be fair, Robert Salah has never had to do that. I mean, this is not it's not his fault they couldn't develop a quarterback since Joe Namath, but. It is something to touch on. And by the way, speaking of touching on stuff real quick, wanted to get on a few of these. A um, couple of uh, very nice reviews as of late. And uh, I'm, there's three of them. And so I want to 
I want to touch on all of them, one of which gets on my case, and that's fine. Happy to answer to it. Uh, from Club Cool Collection, says, Jay, chill on the politics. Love the pod, but you guys have to chill on the liberal political slant. Verinf's Twitter account is half sports and half Republican bashing at this point. Not a way to keep an audience. Stick to sports, gentlemen. Did give us five stars, though. Um, to that, I say, first of all, thank you for rating and for leaving a comment. I appreciate the thought. I will tell you this. I don't like to get into my own personal life a whole lot in terms of like my own thoughts. I am legitimately about as down the middle politically as you'll ever find. Like, I know that may shock people and may not even believe it. I am uh, I am an independent. So believe me, I will if, if, if I will try to keep the politics out as much as possible because I don't want people to get bogged down with that. I don't. Um, and that that's never the, the goal. But yes, uh, every once in a while, I will talk about it because I am interested in it. And uh, I appreciate you sticking with me through it. But just know uh, I'm not not bashing Republicans. I'm really not. I have nothing against. I, I just I just say what I what I feel. And God knows uh, I've had plenty to say about Democrats too in the past. So anyway, thank you for the review and thank you for the thought. I do appreciate it. Had another review uh, from eight three four seven and then a whole bunch of letters. So I apologize, I'm not going to go through them all. Excellent, five stars. Great job, both of you guys. Carm, my guy. I can't say I loved you when you first came on the pod, but you've grown on me <laughs> like a weed, man. You're doing great. Keep it up. Love what you're doing. Matt, obviously, you're crushing it, man. Appreciate the insight into the league. And, of course, your X's and O's breakdown are great. Keep doing what you're doing. Love the pod. Thank you very much. I'm glad Carm has grown on you. Um, that's it's one of the greatest compliments I've ever received. To I, I mean, all I really set out to do in life was be an annoying weed that you just don't want to cut. Hey, look, you should, be, you should be very thankful that you've grown on people. Most people you don't grow on. Right. Um, I so, mean, I, I'm the weed in the yard that you, for whatever reason, just like, okay, we'll just let him hang out over there and, and not uh, <laughs> get the old weed whacker out. Thank you very much. Now, this one, I, of course, I had to read this. It's from Susie Met 303 Verdram is my favorite. Verdram, you provide the most unique perspective of anyone in the NFL. That is high, high, high praise from Susie, and I'm taking it. And I might frame that, put it on my wall in the office. Um, question for you. Whatever happened to Eric Berry? Never heard anything about what happened to him. We know he was hurt, but nothing about him retiring, trying out with our teams, et cetera. And so Eric I read this. Barry, Eric Berry, you remember the rap? Go ahead. Yeah. I, so I read this this one off for two reasons. Well, three reasons. One, thank you very much for the, for the five-star rating. Second of all, listen, if it's that nice about me, I'm going to read it. And third, it is actually a really good question. Like, here's a guy who was named to the all-decade team. He was a great player. And Eric Berry was not a good player. He was a great player. He's got a borderline Hall of Fame case, okay? When you look at his career, here's a guy who overcame a torn ACL, overcame cancer, played in five Pro Bowls, a three-time first-team All-Pro, Hall of Fame, All-2010 team, 2015 AP Comeback Player of the Year. I mean, that is, that is a hell of a resume, you know, but only played nine seasons. And of those nine seasons, three of them he played in two games or less. So he would, he would be the Terrell Davis – Kenny Easley type where his career was just great, but in a short window. Um, my answer is he's not retired. He's, he's still technically active. He could, he could sign with anybody. I have tried to track down this story. I have reached out to his representatives many times over the last year and a half. I have tried to write it. My, as much as I can understand of it is I just think at this point, I don't know that any team really believes he's healthy enough to play. And, and, and by the way, that's just my opinion. That's not a source thing. Or I've tried to get source stuff on it. Nobody's really talked. I just think it's more of a, can he really play? I mean, if you'll go back to the last two years of his career, 
He dealt with the torn Achilles, you know, that he suffered in, in the week opener or week one opener 2017. 2018, he came back. He played two games. He couldn't really come back from it. And then the Chiefs caught him at the age of 30, and that was it. I, I don't think you'll ever see him play again. At some point, he'll officially retire. But he was a comet. He really was. He was one of the better safeties you'll ever see. He was a phenomenal draft pick. It was uh, surprising that the Chiefs picked a safety that high. He made an immediate impact. Yes. And he was really a huge part of the turnaround at that point. It was like, oh, they actually made a really good uh, outside-the-box draft selection, and he was a, that defense – uh, you know, he was a big, he was a huge leader on it. And that was a good defense too. It was, I mean, he played on a you know, defense with a lot of guys, Brandon Flowers, Derek Johnson, Tom Bali. Yeah. Um, Tom you know Bali, very famous for doing his interviews at his locker with no tell Verderam. It is what it is. He Tom would, player. He'd be hanging you know, out. I will tell you just, you know, the question got me in my feels a little bit thinking about Eric Berry. Cause I, I loved him on a, at a time when they were just God awful uh, for so many of those years. And, you know, I, I will say if there's one thing as just from a fan's perspective that always kind of bummed me out a little bit was they won the Super Bowl right after the, you know, Eric Berry and Derek Johnson and Tombo left. All those guys to me, I, hey, listen, it's sports. It's the way it is. Not all great players win at all. But I, I always, and, and the Chiefs, by the way, were right in all their moves with those guys. They moved on at the right time, but it, it was just too bad because those guys, they put in a lot of time. They deserve the right. Yeah, there's honorary rings for all three is a fair statement. You guys should yeah. talk about that on the uh, Arrowhead Attic Pod. Podcast. Yeah, let's wrap it up here. Verderam, you watching some Nick Summer League hoop? I am. First, we should say, first of all, thank you for everyone listening. There's not going to be a show next week. Uh, I will be in San Francisco on vacation with my wife. You will be on vacation, I believe, what, New York? No, I am going to uh, Camp Nabagam on family camp without a family. Uh, very much excited to uh, allowed to do that. They let you go. Uh, they, you are allowed as, uh, in whatever form you are married with kids, not married. Uh, is your wife attending with you? She's not coming. She is not interested in family camp. So, um, I ask why you're interested in family camp. I'm interested in family camp Verderam because I need some, I need a little time in the woods. I need a little unplug. I need uh, one of my good buddies is going up there, so I'm going to hang okay. with him. And uh, where is this camp? Uh, camp Nabagamon is northern, northern Wisconsin, about 30 miles south of Duluth, Minnesota. Oh wow! Okay, You're so up it's there. yeah, it's on it's on Lake Nabagamon. We'll, uh, we'll get the sailboat out. We'll get the uh, we'll get the canoe out. There'll be there's tennis going on. There's hoops. It's you a got good time. Uh, it's it's it's. it's I'm, I've never done it to be honest. I just assume it's going to be great. I've wanted to do it for many years. So okay, I can't knock that. That sounds fun. I give you yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the wife is not thrilled about me taking this trip, but uh, these things it is happen. What it is. These things happen. If it makes you feel better, look, and I'll get in the next summer league. I know everybody's waiting on bated breath, but I. I am uh, my cousin's getting married August 29th in, uh, in in Jersey, and so I'm I'm driving home. I'm going to stay there for about a week. I'll just work from New York. Um, and, and my wife, uh, who really does not ever really care much, she can't go because her cousin's getting married the day prior. So we're kind of splitting the baby there. Um, but she was like, "Great, so you're gonna you're gonna drive out what? You know, Friday, Saturday? She, yeah, you know." She's like, "When do you come back? Tuesday, Monday?" I'm like, "Yeah, like I don't know, maybe the next weekend." <laughs> and that that did not go over particularly well, but she's accepted that that's just going to happen. Look, I, I don't get to go back to New York all that often. It's usually one trip in the summer. So I'm going back and I'm going to be doing a little bit of what you're doing, a little boating, a little fishing, 
relax, hang out. Obviously, I'll be working as well, so I kind of have to, you know, intermingle those things. But, uh, yeah, the more important thing, Nick Summer League. I never thought I'd watch two seconds of that crap, and my God, is it crap. But Obi Toppin's looking pretty good. Emmanuel Quickly's looking good. And my guy, Jericho Sims, the 58th overall pick in the draft, man, is lighting it up in Vegas. Lighting it up. Mm. Looks good. I've got one text chain that is uh, rolling through and they're all talking Bulls summer camp and Patrick Williams and just a lot of excitement around the Bulls right now with their Lonzo Ball slash DeMar DeRozan offseason of love. Yes. Let's, let, let, I think this is, this is a perfect place to end this thing. If you're a Bulls fan, I'm a Knicks fan. The Bulls have been very active this offseason. How do you – where do you put the Bulls in the Eastern Conference looking at it today? I think they're a playoff team, but I don't think they're very good. I think they're, you know, are six, they better seven, than eight. the Knicks? Are they better than the Knicks? They might be better than the Knicks. They they might be. I I, I end of the day, I probably would take New York in that equation, but DeRozan's a good player still. He is, and and even though he's thirty two, and he I think a lot of money, insane money. But he's their best player, I think. I mean, people would say More Zach. Well, Zach doesn't play both ends. So, and I think De- DeMar also, there's a winning factor to DeMar that maybe it's unfair to Zach, but the fact remains that nobody has lost more basketball games in the NBA in the time period that Zach Levine has been in the league than Zach Levine. So I, I do think it's fair to wonder his impact on winning basketball games. So uh, DeMar is, is a, I mean, that's a legit player. We'll see what Lonzo does, man. I, I'm, I'm not, I don't love Lonzo, but I do like, like him. Good. He's steadily improved. I don't, you know, I, six, six guy who's a true point guard who can guard They're, they're yeah. not, they don't, they don't grow everywhere. Um, I, and he, and he shoots it. Okay. I Maybe even forward, better than okay. We'll have to go to a Knicks Bulls game. I've never seen a Knicks game ever in person. So we will have to go to a Knicks Bulls game um, because no two teams could be different, more different than each other. Like the Knicks are going to, it's a death match to 90. They're going to play defense. The Bulls aren't going to play an ounce of defense outside of a, a ball and, and DeRozan. It's just going to be an absolute up and down. Like the Bulls are going to try to score 115 points. I'm very curious to see how those teams uh, play when they see each other. All right. This is the year. Bulls, Knicks, Verderam, Carmen, United Center. Maybe we'll just go yeah. to the Garden. That'd be even I'll better. Say we should really just go to the Garden, Frank. Garden would be yeah, amazing. Good. All right. Hey, uh, just to back up what Matt said, thank you so much for all the comments. Uh, we, we really, really appreciate it. It feels good to know that uh, people are enjoying the pod. Uh, and, yeah, keep them coming. Have a great trip, Verram. Uh, I'll miss you next week, but I'll see you the following, and we are almost there, baby. Football right around the corner. Sounds good, man. Take care. Progressive presents today's to-do list for your cat. Take a nap. Meow till I get food. Get food. Walk away from food. Move to couch. See human. Give cold shoulder. Take a nap. Meow till I get food. Your pet has a very busy schedule, so it's up to you to make sure they're protected. That's why Progressive Car Insurance covers your pets for up to $1,000 if they're ever in a car accident with you. Move to couch. Aggressively clean myself. Take a nap. Meow till I get food. Get coverage for your pets with anti-auto policy from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs included with the purchase of collision coverage and subject to policy terms.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.